John 13, verses 12 through 20. This is God's word. This is speaking about Jesus, he, Jesus. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. The grass withers, the flowers fade away. And the Bible says that we are like grass that withers and flowers that fade away. But the Word of God stands forever. So let me pray for us before we continue. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we take just a moment to pray, not because we need some sort of segue between reading your Bible and preaching, or because it's customary, but we pray because we're needy. God, we know that if you do not work If you don't teach us these words, if you don't open our hearts to understand them, then nothing good will happen here. But we know you to be a good God, and so we pray that by your Holy Spirit you will do that. You will be with us, and you will open our our eyes so that we might see. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so my brother-in-law... Uh, this was my, let's see, Amy and I's first year of marriage, some time ago. And we were living in Oxford, Mississippi, where we went to school. And my brother-in-law, Amy's brother, came back uh, with his wife and went to one year of law school there at Ole Miss. And as we spent time, he was one of my best friends. And as we got to talking about law school, I learned something about it. This might be old news to you, but something I didn't know about law school. Uh, one of the... M- m- Probably the most difficult thing to him about law school, at least initially, was figuring out how to relate to your classmates. And again, you might know this, I didn't. But he said, basically, it's this weird interaction that you have because law school is hard. And so you want to you wanna have friends and you want to have study group. You, so you want to you wanna connect with people on some level so you can help each other. But at the same time, Law school is very competitive. It's all about your class rank. That's really, that's the, that's the end game. Where are you ranked in the class? So you, you don't want to help other people too much. And so you're in this weird dilemma of figuring out, how do I relate to the people that are around me? I need them. They're my competition. I'm not sure how to navigate that. And that really stuck out to me because in some ways that's very unique. But as I got to thinking about it, as I got to thinking about this text, 
I think in a lot of ways, that's really just a microcosm of, of what you and I deal with all the time. You and I all, we all have to every day figure out how are we going to relate to the people around us? What's that going to look like? Are they my competition? Are they, are they people that basically I'm going to use somehow for my ends? Am I going to help people? What's it going to look like? How do I interact with them? And I think that that's what we see in some sense on display here in this passage. If you were with us last week, you, you remember that what we're talking about this semester, what we're studying through, is what we call the farewell discourse. John 13 to 17. And it's essentially Jesus' farewell speech to his disciples. They've been following him for three, three or so years, every day with him, and now he's going to be leaving... And they're going to figure out, that they're about to face life living as, as disciples of Jesus, and yet he's not there with them. That's what you and I call, if you're a believer, everyday life. And so I think basically what I, I tried to pitch to you in some ways is that what we're going to be looking at this semester, what the farewell discourse is, is Jesus giving us his, in a sense, last words about how to do everyday life. Normal, old, day-in, day-out life. And like I said, one of the main aspects that you and I have to deal with is how do we relate to other people? And what I think this passage tells us is how to relate to one another. And the way that we relate to each other, what we're designed for, the way God calls us to relate to each other is in service. How are we going to relate to our, the people we come across? And Jesus says, you're called to relate to other people by serving them. And so I want to tease that out for just a few minutes tonight. I want to look at it uh, in three, three ways. We're basically going to look at Jesus' service and then uh, consequently what he's called us to do. So three things about Jesus calling us to serve others. First, we're going to look at, answer the question, why are we able to serve? Why can we serve other people? Secondly, we're going to see how we're supposed to serve people. And then thirdly and finally, we'll look at why we're called to serve people or what it does. All right, so first, why can we serve people? How are we able to relate to other people and actually love them and serve them? And essentially, this whole first point is what we talked about last week. And I want to reiterate it because it's that important. We have to understand that you have to understand everything that Jesus is communicating by this whole foot washing deal. Right? Maybe we should have read the first part of the passage, especially if you weren't with us last week. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, which was customary in that day for the lowest of servants to wash people's feet. Certainly not Jesus. But he washed their feet. And basically what we said last week is that it's that Jesus makes people clean. That, that really what he's showing them in this like living illustration, right? He's summing up what he's come to do for people and how people relate to him. 
And what we said is that first and foremost, the way that we relate to Jesus is that Jesus serves us. And that really, that the, the, uh, the illustration of Him washing feet is really just a pointer to how He's going to wash people clean ultimately by His death on the cross. Right? That he, certainly He makes their feet clean right then. Takes that dirt on Himself. But it's all a pointer to how He's going to take their and our spiritual dirt on Himself on the cross. But what I want you to see, and this is so important, is that Jesus gives them that illustration first. And then Jesus goes on to say, and now you should do what I've done to you, to other people. That he doesn't just dive in and say, look, here's the whole deal. You need to serve people. Right? That he he doesn't just come along and say, the main thing about Christianity is that you need, you need to love other people and serve other people. Because if that were the message, that would be bad news. If the whole message of Christianity, which a lot of times I think we all default to thinking that it is, is that essentially God comes along and says, um, look, I've given you Jesus. Uh, here's what you're supposed to do. Be a good boy or girl, and, and then God will love you. Right? So get about the business of doing the right thing and stopping the wrong stuff, and then God will love you. And what I want you to see, what I really want to hammer on, is that is absolutely not the gospel. My former campus minister, uh, actually, let me read this passage first Ephesians 2 8 through 10. You probably, you might very well be familiar with this one. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, that's exact, Paul saying exactly what we're saying here. My campus minister used to say two things a lot. And they have served me well, and I think they served his ministry very well. I'll give them both to you. They're essentially the same thing. One thing that he used to say is that the order in Christianity is everything. The order in Christianity is everything. And what he meant by that is that we're called to do good works. Here we're talking about serving other people. We're called to do good works because God loves us. Because He's done a good work for us. Not... That we do good works so that God will love us. You see the difference? The order is everything in Christianity. And the other thing that he used to say is that Jesus did not come primarily to be an example to us. He came primarily to be a substitute for us. Now hear me. Is Jesus an example to us? Absolutely. He says that in this passage, right? What I've done is an example to you. But first and foremost, it has to be first, Jesus is a substitute for me and you. And then and only then can He serve as our example. So the only way that you and I 
can ever be able to look at somebody else and serve them is if we know, if we can rest to some degree in the fact that Jesus has served us first and washed us clean of all the yuck. And then we can begin to serve. That he serves as our substitute. That he took on our sin. And then on the cross, God treated Jesus like he was us. And then he took Jesus' righteousness, the perfection of Jesus, and he credits it to you. And it's only out of that truth, which is why we're laboring on it before we go on to talk about what it looks like for us to serve. Because our service is not worth anything. It will only kill you if you don't get this first. It has to be and can only be born out of the fact that Jesus is our substitute, that he's done a good work for us. Okay, so what does that mean for us? A quick application. How does that matter in our lives? Here it is. I think that you and I, both, we all, we essentially default to spending our time doing whatever we can to prove to other people that, we're, that we matter. That really what we spend all of our energy on, what we default to spending all of our energy on, is really nothing more than sort of a a, a somewhat complicated PR campaign so that other people will, will look at us and find value. So that other people will think we're special, that we matter at all. Because we desperately worry that we don't. You know, maybe it's your parents. Maybe the very reason you're at Baylor and you're working your tail off is so that you can finally hear your parents say, hey, not bad. You did a good job. I'm proud of you. And if that's true, you know that if you start pulling the thread of the why question in your life, why do I do the things that I do? Well, I do it because I want to. Why do I want to? I think that you'll find, like I do, that that deep down it's really... It's really to get people to see, I I matter. Maybe it's to get that that boy or the girl to notice you. So that you can be in a relationship and you can matter. Maybe it's to get into the right fraternity or sorority or the right friend group, whatever it is. We want people to find us beautiful and that we're worth something. And so what we tend to do is to look at everybody else as just competition, right? Right? I want, I want to matter, and if you matter a little less, that makes me matter just a little bit more. And so what I want you to see, right, we're just about to move on. I want you to see that if, if it just really is true that Jesus comes along and he says, I think that you are so valuable. I think you're so amazing that I will lay down my life for you then I'll give up everything. I'll take everything you deserve so that I can give you everything because, because I look at you and I think, wow. Right, that's what we all want in a husband or wife. Right? You want somebody to look at you and say, I see all the bad stuff and I think you're amazing. And I want you to see that, that if that's true, since that's true, we can just begin. If we know what God thinks of us, then, then we're freed up to be able to if we don't have to spend our energy on ourselves, right, if, we, if we're okay, then we can use our energy for other people, right? If somebody came along and said, uh, if you don't have a job, pretend you have a job, right? Where you're out in the real world, you've got to work to, you know, 
you got to have money to eat and pay your bills and whatnot. And somebody comes along and says, I will give you, you have to keep working, keep your job, but I will pay for everything you need and anything you want. Blank check. What would you do with the money that you make? Well, all of a sudden, like if I came up to you beforehand and said, look, I, I need like half your salary so that I can live too. You'd say, well, I need my salary. Sorry. But if you had it all taken care of, all of a sudden you're freed up to say, you know what, I, I don't need this. I used to need it for me, but now I can give it to you, right? So let's take a look at what that looks like. How are we called to serve? Second point, how are we called to serve? Because Jesus, now that we've seen that Jesus is more than just an example, we do need to, to sort of dive in and look at how he is an example. Because Jesus' service here tells us a lot about how we're called to serve other people. Right? He says that we should relate to others just like he's done for them by washing other people's feet, which is certainly just a metaphor for serving them. So let's look at a few aspects of how he served and therefore how we should. First, let's look at this. Who he washed. Whose feet did he wash? Well, there are two answers. First answer is he washed his friend's feet. He washed the feet of the people that were closest to him. Right? These, these 11 slash 12 guys that he spent every day with, his closest friends, those were the people that he served. Particularly, right? So what does that mean for us? Well, I think that you and I probably tend to default to thinking about, all right, if we're going to do service, right, and called to serve in life, Jesus wants me to serve, that I think very possibly we might tend to think of that as something that we go do right on Saturday. Right, you go do um, Habitat for Humanity, um, you go do a big service project, you go on a mission trip and serve people. And now look, certainly that is service. But I think we can tend to freeze it, leave it at that. And what I want you to see is that service biblically really begins with the people that you, with the people that are closest to you. So who does that mean? It means that that you and I are called to serve uh, our roommates, uh, the your classmates, the people that you're in that terrible group with, right? The you know whatever nobody likes group work, right? You're actually called to serve those people. The people in your fraternity or sorority. The people in your dorm. Maybe your parents. And I know that oftentimes those can be the hardest people to serve. So as you begin to think about who am I supposed to serve, I would say essentially sort of just look up. Who's there? That's who, that's who God calls us to serve. Uh, secondly, he served his friends, but he also, he also served Judas. Right? He, Judas did not leave until after he wa- Jesus washed his feet. Jesus, the, the creator of everything, God incarnate, stooped down and he washed the, the disgusting feet of the man that hated him so much that he was going to sell him out. And he knew that on the front end. And he served him. He washed his feet. So what does that mean? I think it's pretty obvious, right? 
Because it might be easy to think like, oh yeah, I love serving my friends. My friends are my friends. It's easy, right? Maybe it's hard, but, but we're also called to serve the people that we don't like. We're also called to serve the guy that is just not easy to talk to. The awkward guy or girl. Uh, the, the offensive person. The one that doesn't like you. The one in your group in class that thinks you're the one that slacks off and they do all the work and you think the same of them. That's the way it always works. But you're called to serve them. It means if you're a believer, certainly not that they're your enemy, but you're called to serve non-believers and love them. All right, so we see who he washed. Another aspect I want to highlight is that, that Jesus... His service was mundane. It was mundane. Foot washing in and of itself was not something big and flashy. Like if we did it, you know, sometime here, that would be kind of this, you know, memorable deal like we washed feet, right? It was either weird or awesome or whatever you think about it. But this is not something that happens very often. But I want you to keep in mind that in this day and age, this is just, this is daily routine. This happened every day, every time you went to somebody's house, you got your feet washed. Now, certainly, who was doing the foot washing is, is mind-boggling. But what he did for them was not. No one went away and said, if, if the disciples went away and said, I got my feet washed today, everybody's like, yes, so what? So did I. It's not a big deal. So I want you to see that Jesus, that he served his friends in the, in the very mundane so yes, you know, service does come in sort of the big, flashy, one-time things, but it comes in the everyday, in-and-out routine of life. I'll give you a, a, uh, a, an excellent example. Probably get choked up during this one. Told you last week, you know, look, all the time. Um, when I was in seminary, I'm going to be strong. When I was in seminary, first or second year, was uh, studying Hebrew, which, whether you know anything about Hebrew or not, it's hard, okay? Just suffice it to say, Hebrew is hard. And I was studying, I was going through my Hebrew flashcards, and I just, I was done. I was working a new job, was new at seminary, and it was just not going well. And looking at these cards, they all start sort of blurring together, and I just, it's not working good, well... English is not much better than my Hebrew. And I just kind of lost it. And I had my little Hebrew flashcard box, and I took my Hebrew flashcard box, and I threw it across the room into the wall. And the, the box hits the wall, and the little cardboard box, and just kind of, you know, breaks up, and cards go everywhere. And I yelled something in English that, you know, wouldn't need any translation. It probably wasn't very appropriate. And then I just started crying. And Amy, who was in another part of the house, my wife, comes in because I was making quite a commotion. And she sees the Hebrew cards, like, you know, scattered everywhere. Her husband, you know, with his head in his hands, crying. And she says, are you okay? And she comes over and she gives me a hug. And she says, very wisely, why don't you go take a break? Smart. So I went and took a break. I don't know. And I came back, and 
it was time to study again, or maybe the you know, next morning, whatever. And Amy had picked up all my flashcards in order, figured out which way Hebrew goes, put them all right side up, and she duct taped my box back together. Is that a big deal? Look, in one sense, no. Right, if you told somebody, hey, I picked up some flashcards and I taped his box back, like, whoa, gold star. It's one of the kindest things that anybody has ever done for me. That was probably 10 or 11 years ago. It's very mundane. It was no big deal. But it was a huge deal. And that's, what, that's, what we're, that's how we're called to serve in the day in and day out. All right, Jesus' service was also gross. Like we talked about last week, people's feet were nasty, right? No shoe, you know, you, sandals, you walk around, no real paved streets, you get mud and, you know, animal junk, and just, it was gross, right? You walked everywhere. So Jesus' service was, it was just gross. So we can say it this way, that Jesus served people, he did the thing that nobody else wanted to do. Right? None of the other disciples volunteered to wash the other disciples' feet. It took their Lord and Master to do it. He did the thing that nobody else wants to do, and that's what we're called to do. The gross stuff. You know, maybe it's sort of putting this with the mundane. Maybe it's talking to your roommate again about their breakup that they're going through. You don't want to talk about it anymore. You've talked about it way too much. You don't want to do it. But maybe that's a great way to serve. Maybe it's talking with a friend and telling them the one thing that they really need to hear that they can't see about themselves and telling them in love. Nobody wants to have a hard conversation. It's gross to do that. But... Maybe that's what Jesus is calling us to do. I had a friend of mine who said that he knew on essentially the, his first date with this girl that he was interested in marrying her because uh, they were on the date and they were, I think they were eating hot dogs, no kidding. And not that that's a bad date if you've done that. And she said, you've got mustard on your face. And he said that, I mean, not in a creepy way, but that right there was like, I might marry this girl. <laughs> because he said, it, it basically communicated to him, it was an awkward thing to say. Nobody, like, you know, they got the stuff in their teeth and you don't want to say it, right? And why do you not say it? Because it's awkward. But you would, want, you would want to know. And he said, she cared enough about me to do the awkward thing. And that stuck with him. We're called to do the things to serve people in ways that, that are uncomfortable and awkward, that are gross. Lastly, on this point, we're called to serve in costly ways. Jesus washing his disciples' feet, like we've said, it's just a pointer to the way he ultimately washes us, right? And his service cost him, in one sense, everything. It cost him just to come to this earth, right? He gave up the glories of heaven, right? We, we focus a lot of time on his death, which was horrific. We don't even, can't even really plumb the depths of the, the pain there. 
beyond just the physical pain. But he gave up the glories of heaven to come live on this earth. And then it cost him his life. And then in some sense, careful with this and you know, talk about a community group. There's a plug for community groups. It cost him his relationship with his father for a time on the cross. In one sense, it cost him everything. It cost him greatly. And so we're called to serve people. We're called to serve in such a way that it costs us. So what might that look like? Well, it might mean, it might mean having a conversation with that person that's awkward to talk to. Because you know if you don't go talk to them, nobody else is going to talk to them. But that's going to cost you a little bit of social comf- comfortability. It's going to cost you not talking to your friends. But we're called to serve and it's going to be costly. Maybe, it's, maybe it might cost you some reputation if you talk with that guy or that girl. It costs time to sit and listen to people. It costs you time to pray for people. It might cost you money to get involved in somebody's life that doesn't have enough. It might cost you, it might cost you a, a fun afternoon to help somebody move out of their apartment when you totally could be playing Frisbee or doing something that you'd rather do. Right? Maybe it means calling your mom just because you know that she wants to hear your voice even though you got plenty of other stuff to do. It could be costly. So thirdly and finally, let's end with this. Why are we called to serve? What, what does it do? What are the results? And we're going to just talk about two of them that we see in this passage. You know, there are tons, right? But two that we see in this passage. And one, at least, that, that I want to highlight is because a life of service is the life of blessing. To live a life of service like Jesus is to live the life of blessing. Look at verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus says that if you know this, if you, if you see this and you know this and you do this, if you serve other people, it will be blessing to you. Now why is that? Because it feels like death, right? I mean, if you're tracking and you think like, all right, so you're, basically you're saying like I should give everything away, like I'm supposed to give my life, my life is for other people. That sounds like I'm going to come undone. That sounds hard and terrible and, and yeah, like I'm going to die. But what if, what if that's actually backwards? What if the world, you and I tend to think backwards and actually the Bible is frontwards? And that actually living a life of service is actually the way that we'll truly live and be alive as human beings. In other words, what if, and I think the Bible is saying this, that you and I are actually built, designed to serve. That that's where we thrive. That's where we're truly human. Because when we serve, we get in touch, in a sense, with the, with the very pattern of the gospel, right? We get in touch with the, 
we get in touch with our Savior because He lived a life of service. Secondly, let me end with this. Why are we called to serve? Because it will spread the gospel. Because it will spread the gospel. In verse 16, Jesus refers to His people as His messengers or His sent ones, ones that He sends. And then in verse 20, He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. You see what He's saying? That essentially that as you go out and serve in the name of Jesus, and again, not in necessarily flashy ways, in the mundane things of life, that you are reflecting and showing people the gospel. In other words, people will see Jesus and His good news through you. It will spread the gospel. You're displaying the love of Jesus that offers to wash people clean. End with this illustration. A campus minister friend of mine took his group on a mission trip. Uh, they went to serve. Uh, they went to a uh, essentially a, um, I think it was a Native American reservation that, you know, in, in deep poverty, um, and they basically spent time just with the folks there. Spent a lot of time with the young people there. And second time we're going to get choked up. This man's story is awesome. And one of his students. Right? College, female. She's hanging out with, uh, with one of these girls that lives there. She's like, I don't know, two, three years old, something like that. And she's got her on her shoulders, giving her, you know, piggyback ride, whatever. And they're both having a lot of fun until the student realizes that, man, that sure feels warm on my neck and wet. Right? And realizes that this girl has, if you... We're, I'm a parent, right? So I say TT, right? But this girl has TT'd all over her. And so she, you know, takes her off. And she doesn't make a big deal of it. And she cleans her up, cleans herself up, cleans this girl up, and they keep playing. And now that'd be a good story already. But the next day, this other girl, this little older, little older girl comes up to the student and she says, I want to be your friend. And she says, I want to be your friend because I saw how you treated my cousin. She said, I saw that she pottied on your head and you treated her nice. And she said, I want to be your friend. Okay? That's, let's grab the Kleenex story. That little girl could see something. She basically saw somebody that could literally get someone else's waste all over them, get their mess all over them, and still love them. And treat them with dignity. And serve them and literally wash them. And she saw that and it was attractive to her. That little girl saw that and she thought, I want to be close to you. And I wish I could say that that little girl got converted, right? And the whole town got converted. And I, I just don't know. But I'm telling you, 
that little girl saw a glimpse of Jesus because that bigger girl, the college student, knew Jesus, knows Jesus, and she knows that that's exactly what Jesus did for her on a cosmic scale. That he loved her so much that he said, it's, it's okay, I'm going to take all of your mess because I love you. And she could turn around only because of that and show it to other people. And that's the gospel. That's offered to you tonight, and I hope you take it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for that truth. Uh, Thank you that you serve us and that you call us to serve and that we can. Jesus, help us to do that. We, We love ourselves a lot. Help us to love other people. And we ask it, Jesus, in your name. Amen.